This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. More than a thousand people have been shot in Chicago so far this year. Last year at this time, around 720 people had been shot. Year to date, we've also seen 31 more homicides compared with 2020. Former U.S. Education Secretary Arne Duncan now works on gun violence prevention with the group Chicago Cred. He told Reset the city's headed in the wrong direction. I want to be real honest here. It's not just a bad four months. It's a bad 16 months. As you know, we, we were, 2016 was a horrible year in terms of violence. Uh, we started doing this work in, in, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. And over those three years, we saw, you know, double digit reductions in violence each year. But last year, uh, with the pandemic, with the, the murder of George Floyd, um, last year we saw a tremendous spike, a 50% spike in violence. And unfortunately, that trend has continued. That's Secretary Duncan on Reset yesterday. Meanwhile, a four-year-old gun violence prevention program called READY is showing positive results. READY stands for Rapid Employment and Development Initiative. And READY's senior director is Eddie Bocanegra, and he's here to talk about some of the solutions that they're working on. Eddie, thanks for coming on today. Sasha, it's a pleasure being here again. First off, Eddie, explain to us what READY's mission is and, and tell us a bit more about your work. Sure. So in 2016, we saw a spike in violence in Chicago that we hadn't seen in about almost two decades. And as a result of that, philanthropy and city and other, other folks in leadership got together and figured out what can we do differently. At the end of the day, what came out of, of that conversation is British Chicago. We gave birth to the idea of using the best science out there, uh, the best data, to really help infuse the service in a community that really tackles and identifies individuals who are at the highest risk of gun involvement. You know, it's not enough that you live in the west side or the south side of Chicago in communities that have been plagued with violence. Uh, even within those communities, there are specific individuals that are more likely to be victims or offenders of gun violence. And what Rich Chicago does is really identify individuals, saturate them with resources, starting with kind of behavior therapy, uh, transitional jobs, and other support services like housing and individual mental health and so on. Why do you think it's been such a violent year so far, Eddie? Well, I think there's a number of different things. Uh, And as Arnie Duncan mentioned just a moment ago, I think the pandemic overall has been a a huge challenge for us in the way that we've been providing direct services or just the need that keeps surfacing up with these populations that we're we're describing today. But I would also say that for most people, right, for for your audience, you know, often people are looking for that one vaccine, that one solution, like what really works and, and why do we constantly see this virus and why can't we just tackle it? And the truth, Sasha, is that the issue in itself is a very complex. It's a symptom of a larger issue that deals with racial inequity. You know, um, the communities that we work in uh, have faced decades of disinvestment and, and over-policing, and the men that we serve are dealing with complex generational trauma from exposure to violence, 
uh, all the way to the scene, you know, their, their parents or their grandparents arrested or even murdered at times. So you say racial inequity is a big factor here. And what impact then would you say the pandemic and, and unemployment is having on the situation? Two things that I'll, I'll point out very briefly, right? So when you look at the west side of Chicago, you look at North Lawndale uh, and the outskirts of, of, of that community, you know, that community is still recovering from the 1960s riots or looting, whatever you want to call it, right, uh, during the civil rights. And it's never really truly recovered. So we're talking about, you know, what, 40, 50 years already of just decades of oppression and, and disinvestment. So that's just one part that, again, like, why are we surprised, right, that these communities are, are who are experiencing a lot of violence, you know, um, in, in large part because of, like, the history that these communities actually have. I think the second thing, as it relates to your question in COVID, I think at the end of the day, you know, with the, with the issues around, you know, the tensions that we're having around race and equity, what you're seeing right now is the opportunity, right, where you are seeing examples, clear examples of, and through as a result of COVID, of this exactly inequities that you see in these communities, the disinvestment in these communities, the lack of, you know, poor education in many of these communities as well, the over-policing, and the fact that, again, we cannot negate the, the, the symptoms that trauma actually brings into these communities. Well, Reddy's been praised for its successes so far. Researchers at the University of Chicago Crime Lab found that more than half of the young men who joined the program were still in it a year later. So what are you doing right, Eddie? I I heard you say jobs, housing, therapy. Are those the main ingredients? Well, the first thing, and just to clarify, Sasha, I think that too often we depend on one program, right, to kind of solve for things. And I would say that while we've seen some really amazing positive results with Ready, at the end of the day, Ready is just one spoke in the wheel. There are some great organizations out there, CP4P, CRED, other organizations that are doing some amazing work uh, in very similar communities and addressing these issues with this population. And what's, what's been very clear to me in these spaces is that, you know, working with this population, we have to untangle that trauma that I referred to just a moment ago. It's important that we create spaces for them where they feel safe. These men that we work with in British Chicago don't feel safe in their own communities. So we have to really understand, like, meet the client, meet the participant where they're at, and create the fundamental basic needs, housing, safety, stability, right, all the things that Maslow's heart care needs actually describes. But I would also go as far as saying this, that when, we, when, I, when I think about British Chicago, we've been able to invest over $9 million into the pockets of our participants. And that is through wages, and that is through stipends. And what that really means for us, right, which is very unique, unlike other programs as well, is that we see the value in these men. We know that these men don't want to be in the corner you know, hustling, selling drugs, or, or, or whatnot. And what we're seeing here is that these individuals do want to engage within the community. But too often, you know, they've been marginalized. And to be quite honest, sometimes they've been marginalized by the very same institutions that are intended to support them and help them. And that also includes sometimes even the nonprofits. You know, we cherry pick quite a bit. We say that we talk about gun violence and gun violence reduction, but it's very difficult to have the metrics and the data to really demonstrate the outcomes of the service. And so when I think about Ready Chicago, I think of not only a program, I think of it as an initiative, and I think about a coalition building, right? You need a strategy, a strategy that incorporates various elements within the community and outside the community to tackle this issue. Yeah, so you, you've mentioned trauma quite a bit, right? I, I want to hear more about the cognitive behavioral therapy component of your program. 
Yeah, so a couple of things actually that I'll say. One of the first things that have been very obvious to me, you know, unfortunately, we've lost a number of participants in Radio Chicago uh, within the last three and a half years. And in about half of those families that I've visited, I could tell you that about five or six of them, while visiting their families, I learned through those conversations that the participant who was killed in our program, that their father was also killed while they were just born. Mm. So I think about what the impact there has had. I've also learned that many of the participants that we work with, their parents, right, or their father or their grandfather was also incarcerated. In many cases, you know, incarcerated for 20, 30 years. So I think about what's that trauma and what's the gap, right, of having a, a supportive adult in their lives really mean. Kind of behavior therapy for us is one approach that we try to address some of the trauma. And what I mean by that is simply is that we recognize that a lot of the men that we work with are very impulsive. We recognize that sometimes somebody cuts you off, somebody says something to you on Facebook, you know, somebody says something to you, you know, uh, you know on a text, and sometimes these things can be misunderstood, or sometimes they're not. You know, they're pretty clear, these threats. And so a lot of the times what we see today, unlike in the 1980s and 1990s when I grew up in Chicago, today's homicides are not driven by, by gangs in large part. Do they happen? Yes, they do. But most of the homicides, most of the students that we see in Chicago are happen, happens to be because of the act of a moment. You know, participant happens to have a, a gun with them. That he carries it because of safety issues. All of a sudden, someone else with a gun is threatening them. And then, you know, next thing you know, you have a shooting happening. And so our CBT, our kind of behavior therapy, is designed to really create a wedge between action and impulse. And that is really critical. It's like really painting various scenarios. And we do the CBT uh, every single day of the week. We compensate them for participating in the kind of behavior therapy. Uh, and the goal for us is to really reach 200 hours of kind of behavior therapy while they're in our program because it's 200 hours that the science tells us that you start seeing a shift in behaviors. Eddie, um, Ready deploys staff into these high-crime communities to do street outreach. Are you working with police on that? So we work formally and informally, meaning that we've had some great relations with the police department in terms of when they see some of our men wearing their vests, right, uh, they've acknowledged them, they're not harassing them, they're not stopping them. Uh, a lot of times they're seeing the, the positive approaches they're taking and change their lives. You know, when there's some cases that we that we realize that, you know, people are involved uh, or ways that we could support in many cases, when there's like, for example, during a time when there was the rioting or the protest, many of the outreach workers across Chicago, not only through, through Red Chicago, but elsewhere, were also really uh, involved in really maintaining safety uh, in our city. Uh, so that's one, one way of many ways that we work with. Uh, yet at the same time, we also recognize that while the police might have, you know, their function and, you know, their work, we also have to kind of create some um, differences there, too, in, in terms of the approach that we often take. You know, we take a very strength-based approach, but we're seeing many officers, you know, kind of also uh, take that approach today and day. What's your story? Why get involved in this work? You know, Sasha, like, the bottom line, I was 18 years old when I went to prison, and I was sentenced for a, for a violent offense to 29 years. I ended up serving 14 years and three months as it, as it relates to that incident. And often people would say, well, let them kill each other. You know, people should be sentenced for life. You know, people should just, just, just get rid of them. You know, at Heartland, you know, we're a human rights organization. We believe that all lives truly matter. We believe that there are a segment of population that have been disinvested from, from birth. And that just like myself, I never chose the parents that I was born to. I never chose the zip code that I was born into. And that determines 
for the most part, a lot of what your expectations in life is going to look like. And so the bottom line is that there's an untapped resource. These are individuals that have been harmed and are trying to find their ways back out of the midst of this chaos. And we have to find ways to engage them and create that, that, those pathways of healing for them as well. well They're worth s- investing. You said it yourself earlier, Eddie. You said Ready Chicago is just one program, one small program. What kind of resources do you want to see deployed at the city or county or state level? Is there something that the mayor or the governor could do, in your opinion, to turn this around? Well, first, I want to acknowledge the governor, uh, first and foremost. I think he's done an amazing job in really trying to address not only the issues around COVID, but think outside the box. And he's been doing some of that also around the issues around um, criminal justice reform and, to some extent, the gun violence. I would applaud and encourage him to continue to do more. Uh, I see the same thing with our Cook County president here. It's not an easy task, right? Or our state attorney as well, Kim Fox, and Attorney General um, Kwame Raul. These are great leaders who really, truly understand the complexity of these issues. You know, my hope is that we get to see more of the mayor and then we get to see other leaders, you know, in office push forward in this, you know, to support evidence-based, to support services that are, that are demonstrating impact, collective impact. Uh, we need to stop spreading the peanut butter thin. We need to focus on who are the drivers of gun violence and saturate them. And that means saturating these communities that are in dire need of services. That would be my recommendation. And right now, Sasha, there's great opportunities. I was just at the White House a few weeks ago, uh, invited by President Biden, okay. where he was pushing $5 billion, you know, um, hoping that Congress would uh, support that. There's great opportunities coming forward. This is the first time that any president has actually took action around that. And secondly, there is, you know, the, the ARP, the American Recovery Plan here in Illinois and Chicago in the county, where dollars are being put already in existence that, for your listeners, I would just encourage, if you care about gun violence and you want to think about public safety, encourage your mayor, your county, your other officials like the governor Mm -hmm. to get behind it and to leverage these dollars to support these kind of issues. That's Eddie Bocanegra, Senior Director of Ready Chicago. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Sasha. And that's today's Reset. For more conversations around the topics that matter to you and your community and the people working to solve our city's problems, keep it right here on Reset. And take a few seconds to give us a rating and review. Yeah, go ahead. Do it now if you're not driving. It really does help other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening, and we'll meet again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.